0: Good day. Today is April 30th. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and this is the One-Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we encourage each other with a daily intake of God's Word and travel through the entire Bible in a year. I'm thankful for the opportunity to share this adventure with you. My wife and I look forward to reading through the Bible every year, and we've also encouraged others, including new believers, to join with us. As our grandchildren were approaching their teenage years, I began to write a companion commentary for the One Year Bible. Once that was completed, it was suggested that I read both the daily portion from the One Year Bible and the commentary in a podcast form, and voila, here we are. On day 120, it has been so enriching to gain fresh insights and to share them with an international Bible reading community through this podcast. If you've been encouraged by your participation, we would love to hear about it. You can contact me now at this new email address, podcast at newlife.org. You can also subscribe to the One Year Bible Tour Guide wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Music, Amazon, Podbean, iHeartRadio, YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, hashtag One Year Bible Tour Guide. You can subscribe to a written email copy of the commentary by going to our website, newlife.org. New Life, that's one word, dot O-R-G. Well, today is the last day of this fine month when I prefer to be in England, the month of April, but have also enjoyed the hints of spring here in New England. We crossed the threshold into the month of May this weekend, and today we start the book that first introduced me in a living way to the person of Jesus Christ 50 years ago, the Gospel of John. You might want to call your friends and neighbors and have them start reading the book of John with us. It's a life changer, written for the express purpose that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. But first we must go back to the dark ages of the book of Judges. This book emphasizes the need of the children of Israel to be delivered from their continual cycle of oppression by their enemies. They continually call out for a Savior. This is a shadow of the basic need of the human race. Who can save us? May people call upon the name of Yeshua today. Jesus, whose name means God to the rescue. The Lord is salvation. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Judges chapter 11 is where we are today. Are you ready to begin? Let's set out on our reading journey beginning with verse 1 of chapter 11 in the book of Judges in which Jephthah delivers Israel. Verse 1. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior, but he was the son of a prostitute. Gilead was the father of Jephthah, and Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob, And worthless fellows collected around Jephthah, and went out with him. After a time the Ammonites made war against Israel. And when the Ammonites made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to bring Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said to Jephthah, Come, and be our leader, that we may fight against the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me, and drive me out of my father's house? Why have you come to me now, when you are in distress? And the elders of gilead said to jephthah this is why we have turned to you now that you may go with us and fight against the ammonites and be our head over all the inhabitants of gilead jephthah said to the elders of gilead if you bring me home again to fight against the ammonites and the lord gives them over to me i will be your head and the elders of gilead said to jephthah the lord will be witness between us if we do not do as you say so jephthah went with the elders of gilead and the people made him head and leader over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord at Mizpah. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites and said, What do you have against me, that you have come to me to fight against my land? And the king of the Ammonites answered the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel, on coming up from Egypt, took away my land, from the Arnon to the Jabbok and to the Jordan, now therefore restore it peaceably. Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites and said to him, Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites, but when they came up from Egypt, Israel went through the wilderness to the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Israel then sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let us pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not listen. And they sent also to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained at Kadesh. Then they journeyed through the wilderness, and went around the land of Edom and the land of Moab, and arrived on the east side of the land of Moab, and camped on the other side of the Arnon. But they did not enter the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was the boundary of Moab. Israel then sent messengers to Sihon king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon, and Israel said to him, Please let us pass through your land to our country. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all his people together, and encamped at Jahaz, and fought with Israel. And the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. So Israel took possession of all the land of the Amorites, who inhabited that country. And they took possession of all the territory of the Amorites, from the Arnon to the Jabbok, and from the wilderness to the Jordan. So then the Lord, the God of Israel, Dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel. And are you to take possession of them? Will you not possess what Chemosh your God gives you to possess? And all that the Lord our God has dispossessed before us, we will possess. Now are you any better than Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever contend against Israel, or did he ever go to war with them? While Israel lived in Heshbon and its villages, and in Arorer and its villages, and in all the cities that are on the banks of the Arnon, three hundred years, why did you not deliver them within that time? I therefore have not sinned against you, and you do me wrong by making war on me. The Lord, the Judge, decide this day between the people of Israel and the people of Ammon. But the king of the Ammonites did not listen to the words of Jephthah that he sent to him. Then the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah. And he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed on to Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead he passed on to the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will give me the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them. AND THE LORD GAVE THEM INTO HIS HAND, AND HE STRUCK THEM FROM ARORER TO THE NEIGHBORHOOD OF MINNESH, TWENTY CITIES, AND AS FAR AS ABEL KERAMIM, WITH A GREAT BLOW. SO THE AMMONITES WERE SUBDUED BEFORE THE PEOPLE OF ISRAEL. THEN Jephthah CAME TO HIS HOME AT Mizpah, AND BEHOLD, HIS DAUGHTER CAME OUT TO MEET HIM WITH TAMBOURINES AND WITH DANCES. SHE WAS HIS ONLY CHILD. BESIDES HER HE HAD NEITHER SON NOR DAUGHTER. And as soon as he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, and you have become the cause of great trouble to me, for I have opened my mouth to the Lord, and I cannot take back my vow. And she said to him, My father, you have opened your mouth to the Lord. Do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth, now that the Lord has avenged you on your enemies on the Ammonites. So she said to her father, Let this thing be done for me, Leave me alone two months, that I may go up and down on the mountains, and weep for my virginity, I and my companions. So he said, Go. Then he sent her away for two months, and she departed, she and her companions, and wept for her virginity on the mountains. And at the end of two months she returned to her father, who did with her according to his vow that he had made. She had never known a man, and it became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went year by year to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite four days in the year. Chapter 12. Jephthah's Conflict with Ephraim The men of Ephraim were called to arms, and they crossed to Zaphon, and said to Jephthah, Why did you cross over to fight against the Ammonites, and did not call us to go with you? We will burn your house over you with fire. And Jephthah said to them, I and my people had a great dispute with the Ammonites, And when I called you, you did not save me from their hand. And when I saw that you would not save me, I took my life in my hand and crossed over against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? Then Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. And the men of Gilead struck Ephraim, because they said, You are fugitives of Ephraim, you Gileadites! in the midst of Ephraim and Manasseh. And the Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan against the Ephraimites. And when any of the fugitives of Ephraim said, Let me go over, the men of Gilead said to him, Are you an Ephraimite? When he said no, they said to him, Then say Shibboleth. And he said, Sibboleth, for he could not pronounce it right. Then they seized him and slaughtered him at the fords of the Jordan. At that time forty-two thousand of the Ephraimites fell. Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried in his city in Gilead. After him, Ibsan of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had thirty sons and thirty daughters he gave in marriage outside his clan, and thirty daughters he brought in from outside for his sons, and he judged Israel seven years. Then Ibsan died and was buried at Bethlehem. After him Elon the Zebulonite judged Israel, and he judged Israel ten years. Then Elon the Zebulonite died and was buried at Aijalon in the land of Zebulun. After him Abdon the son of Hillel the Pirithonite judged Israel. He had forty sons and thirty grandsons, who rode on seventy donkeys, and he judged Israel eight years. Then Abdon, the son of Hillel the Pirithonite, died and was buried at Pirithon, in the land of Ephraim, in the hill country of the Amalekites. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament Book of Judges. And let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. The Book of Judges anticipates the Gospel's surprising means of deliverance that is yet to come. In this book, we see that God raises up some unlikely human instruments to provide deliverance from the enemies of his people. Ehud was from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin, or Benjamin, means son of my right hand. Yet Ehud, the Benjamite, was left-handed, literally meaning handicapped in the right hand. Shamgar used an ox goad rather than a sword or spear to defeat the enemy. In a male-dominated society, God used Deborah to lead Israel to victory and a Gentile woman, Ja'el, to slay the enemy's commander, Sisera, with a tent peg. Gideon would have been voted least likely to lead, as he was the least of the least clan of Manasseh. Jephthah was the disowned, cast-off son of a prostitute. The fallibility and depravity of mankind are vividly portrayed in these dark days of spiritual declension in the Promised Land described in the Book of Judges. When the Messiah arrives, an apostate Judaism will exist in an enemy-occupied Palestine. He will not be recognized, and he will not be received by his own. He will appear to be one who is at great disadvantage, presumed to have had an ignoble birth in Bethlehem, being raised in the slums of a disreputable town. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? A prophet without honor among those to whom he was familiar, betrayed by friends and handed over to the Gentiles. Yet he will defeat the enemy in his death, and in his resurrection accomplish a supernatural deliverance. Today we read of the sixth cycle of deliverance, with the judge Jephthah. God recognized that His people had given themselves to idolatry more deeply than they had realized. The Lord was not quick to answer their cries. When they finally repented of their sin, it took some time for them to call for the deliverer He had chosen. Jephthah was the valiant warrior that no one really wanted on their team until the Ammonites proved to be an enemy too difficult to handle without a skilled leader. His own half-brothers despised him because his mother was a prostitute. Because of his shameful birth, he was driven from his father's household and denied an inheritance. Yet when it was perceived that victory could come no other way, his brothers requested his skills in the battle and pledged that they would submit to his leadership with the Lord as their witness. In Judges chapter 11, verses 10 and 11. Jephthah proves to be a godly leader. With tactful diplomacy, he seeks to avoid an unnecessary war by sending messengers to carefully recount the historical record in order to expose the illegitimacy of the Ammonite claim that the Israelites had taken their land. But the sons of Ammon have their hearts set on war and disregard Jephthah's message. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jephthah. He crosses the Jordan to the Ammonites. He makes a vow that if the Lord delivers the Ammonites into His hand, Whatever comes out of the doors to meet him when he returns from victory, he will offer to the Lord. The words indicate that he was anticipating offering one of his livestock. The Lord does deliver the enemy into his hand. Instead of one of the farm animals coming out to greet him, his only child, his beloved daughter, comes out. Scholars give three strong arguments that Jephthah fulfilled his vow, not by putting his daughter to death, but by setting her apart for service to God never allowing her to marry human sacrifice although practiced by the moabites was forbidden in the mosaic law leviticus chapter 18 verse 21 chapter 20 verses 1 through 5 even during this period of spiritual declension the israelites abhorred such abominations no levitical priest would have assisted in such a sacrifice judges 11 chapter 39 does not say that she died but that she returned to her father and remained a virgin never marrying this incident reminds us that a vow should be taken seriously. Jephthah did not imagine that he would be deprived of grandchildren when he made this promise. Next we read about the Shibboleth. Jephthah is a man whose excellence and character stands in contrast to many of his contemporaries. The Ephraimites are insulted that Jephthah did not ask them to join the battle against the Ammonites. They boastfully threaten that they will burn down Jephthah's house with him in it. The truth is that the Lord gave the victory to Jephthah without the aid of the Ephraimites. Jephthah patiently endures their foolishness and attempts to reason with them. When he and his people were previously in conflict with the Ammonites, the Ephraimites refused to give them help. They had proved to be unreliable and unwilling in the past. Why should he appeal to them again? The Ephraimites are unrepentant of their arrogant threat to destroy Jephthah. Gilead goes to war and soundly defeats Ephraim. When the surviving Ephraimites want to cross the Jordan River to return to their home territory, the Gileadites take control of the fords and attempt to stop them. When they ask those trying to cross the river if they are fugitive Ephraimites, they deny it. The Gileadites test their claim by asking them to pronounce the word shibboleth, which in Hebrew means an ear of corn or stalk of grain. Ephraimites were not able to pronounce the sh-sound, as in shu. Their pronunciation would sound like shibboleth. Their inability to pronounce this word would prove that they were from Ephraim, even though they might deny it. In chapter 12, verse 6, today we call any word or custom a shibboleth, whose variation in pronunciation or style can be used to differentiate members of different social or regional origins. A shibboleth is not easily imitated by outsiders. In a book about a thousand things by George Stimson, the author notes that, in the Second World War, Japanese spies would often approach checkpoints posing as American or Filipino military personnel. A shibboleth such as "lalapalooza" would be used by the sentry, who, if the first two syllables comes back as aurora, would open fire without waiting to hear the remainder, as the Japanese could not pronounce the L sound in Lollapalooza. Jephthah judged Israel for six years. He was followed by Ibzan of Bethlehem. He is known for nothing other than his thirty sons, his thirty daughters, and thirty daughters-in-law brought in from the outside. He judged Israel for one year longer than his predecessor. Elon, the Zebulunite, served as a judge for ten years. Abdon judged for eight years and is known for the family parade of forty sons, thirty grandsons, who rode seventy donkeys. Now let's go to the New Testament Gospel according to John. How exciting. We start this book today, beginning with chapter 1, verse 1. The Word Became Flesh In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask Him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked Him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And He answered, No. So they said to Him, But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. And this concludes today's reading from the Gospel according to John. The Apostle John is the author who contributes more writings to the New Testament than any other next to the Apostle Paul, although Luke contributes a greater word count than any of them. There is abundant evidence that John, the son of Zebedee, the brother of the disciple James, is the author of this gospel. He is self-effacing in his style as an eyewitness to the events. He mentions the names of others with great accuracy, but he himself sometimes remains unnamed in John chapter 13 verse 23 and chapter 20 verse 2. It would be highly unusual for anyone else to write this account and not name such a prominent disciple as the apostle John. John's Gospel is the last of the four Gospels to be written. Written in the last decade of the first century, the Apostle states his purpose for writing and then selects key events, or signs, signifying that Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of God. The key purpose of John writing his Gospel is found in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you may have life in His name. Rather than writing a chronological narrative, John assembles eight signs of the deity of Christ and assumes that his readers are already familiar with these events, as most of them were recorded in the previously written synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John knows that apart from faith in Christ, there is no hope of human beings experiencing the gift of eternal life. Apart from Christ, the door to heaven is shut. Jesus is the open door for those who trust in Him. This theme is repeated throughout the Gospel. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 5 As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. John chapter 3, verses 14-15 to 15. Again the theme that there is no other open door to receive eternal life. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John chapter 3, verse 18 he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. John chapter 3 verse 36. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. John chapter 5 verses 39 to 40. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he you will die in your sins. John chapter 8, verse 24. John introduces Jesus not from his birth, but from the beginning, before Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The eternal pre existence of the Son of God is declared. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1, verse 1. John succinctly declares the deity of Christ. And his vital role in the Trinity as the Logos, the full thought of God expressed. He makes the incomprehensible intelligible and the inaccessible accessible, the invisible visible. Jesus not only delivers the Word, he is the Word, the Word of God. John declares Jesus as co equal with the other members of the Trinity in face to face fellowship. In verse two, he is the creator and the indispensable source of the life. That was to be the light of mankind without his life there is no true light in verse 5 we are introduced to unbelief the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it john chapter 1 verse 5 john the baptist is introduced in the context of god's initiative to turn people's hearts from darkness to light from unbelief to belief that they might have life in christ he was a witness to that light the world does not and cannot comprehend in verse five, know in verse ten, or receive in verse twelve that light apart from the work of God's sovereign saving grace. Those who believe are born again in John chapter three, verse three, born into God's family, not through their natural heritage, that is blood, not through their natural prowess, that is their will, nor the natural persuasive influence of others. The will of man, but by an act of God. John chapter one verse thirteen. John's record of the nativity is summed up in one verse, in John one fourteen, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that was spoken of in the tabernacle and the laws of the sanctuary. He tabernacles among us. We see His glory, His perfection. We see God the Father's verdict upon His perfection in that His glory continually abides. God the Father is the source and affirmer of His glory. John records the title of the first person of the Trinity as Father 120 times. The Greek word for life is found 37 times. In 17 of those occurrences, it is paired with the Greek word for eternal. John testifies that a greater revelation of God's righteousness has come in Jesus. That revelation causes the knowledge of God's grace and truth to shine in verse 17. Jesus answers our questions about God not only by what he said, but by what he did and does. He is the full exposition of the Father. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. John chapter 1 verse 18. After the prologue of verses 1-18, through the Apostle John begins his record with the testimony of John the Baptist about Jesus. In a place called Bethany, a place that will be visited again throughout the Gospel as a place where Jesus was welcomed, John serves as the announcer of the Messiah's arrival. We look forward to reading more tomorrow. Now let's go to our reading from the book of Psalms, the Bible's song and prayer book. Psalm 101, verses 1-8 through I will walk with integrity. A Psalm of David. Psalm 101 I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. O when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look or an arrogant heart I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evil doers from the city of the Lord. This is the end of our reading from Psalm 101. Psalms 95 through 100 were calls to worship. Psalm 101 is the psalmist's personal resolution to worship. May it also be ours. The psalmist is making some important decisions. How about you? One of the evidences that we are born again of the Holy Spirit will be that we love what God loves and we will hate what God hates. If we have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are partakers of His divine nature. Without His nature in us, we cannot do anything but sin. With His nature in us, we do not have to sin. Psalm 101 verse 3 says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. The psalmist knows that we can easily be gripped by ungodly influences. Choose your friends and your teachers well. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. And now we go to the treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, and we'll be reading Proverbs chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Even in laughter the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. Not all people who laugh are truly responding to something funny. There is nervous laughter. There is the laughter that covers up fear, guilt, and pain sometimes the funny man is hiding inner sadness. Backsliders are those who once were serving Christ who turn to serve themselves. They must do everything their way. Someone who is rightly relating to God through faith in Christ will be satisfied with the ways of the Lord. Let's go before the Lord in prayer and thank Him for what He's shown of Himself to us today. God of grace, we are grateful that we can call you, as Jesus called you, our Father. Help us to follow Your ways. Lead us by Your living Word and Holy Spirit so that we can walk in the light. Teach us to shun the corrupted ways of our old life in Adam. May our eyes be on You and the strengthening examples of the faithful in the land. Thank You for the Church of the Lord Jesus, friends who travel with us on the pilgrim pathway. You have captivated their hearts' affections. May my heart be kindled with fresh devotion today as I seek to honor your name with obedience to your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm especially excited about sharing the Gospel of John with you as we read through that great book in these coming weeks. I hope you'll join with us tomorrow as we continue to read through the Bible. Once again, I want to remind you that you're welcome to subscribe to this podcast or also subscribe to a daily email where you get maps and pictures that go along with our commentary. If you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its events, you can go to our website, newlife.org. We also have a special theater arts ministry in which we want to tell redemptive stories with the gospel at the core through the performing arts. And we have a performing arts summer camp. There's more information on our website. You can also go to newlifefinearts.org. God bless you, and hopefully we'll see you tomorrow as we continue our one-year Bible tour guide.